Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, every year we do wind shape camp here at church. It's one of the best things that we do all year long. Uh, it's through Chick-fil-A and uh, just a uh, Unbelievable, the uh, enthusiasm of the uh, volunteers that come. They'll have 20 or 30 college kids that come and just transform this campus. And uh, it's just a great ministry that, that they do. Well, Abigail Akron is going to be on staff with Windshape Camps this summer. And uh, that means no sleep and a lot of hours and very little pay. Uh, but a lot of neat things are going to happen from it. But we just found out something really neat just a week or two ago. The group that Abby is with is actually going to be the group that will be at our church at the end of July. So that, that is fantastic. So uh, they only take the really, really, I'm serious, the, the very best kids that apply for this. And, and uh, so we knew that Abby would be definitely involved in that when she applied. But we want to have a special word of commissioning for her. She's going to be taking off uh, soon for uh, just a wonderful, wonderful summer. And we look forward to all you're going to be doing. So let's have a prayer for Abby if we could this time. Father, I thank you for Abby. I thank you for her faith. I thank you for all that she means of this church. And uh, I just pray now as uh, she goes out with the wind-shaped camps, Father, let her have experiences that let her grow and mature and get even closer to you. Uh, let her make relationships and connections that she'll keep her whole life. But, Father, we pray for the children that she's going to be ministering to this summer. Let her have an impact upon them. And, uh, Father, give her open doors and opportunities. And we can't wait for her to come back and tell us all the great things that happened this summer. So we just pray your spirit with her now. Uh, We send her out with uh, our love, our care, our hope. And we send her out in your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give Abby a good round of applause here. Give her a round of applause. We'll take your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. Now, probably a lot of you know it because I mentioned it before, but I'm afraid of heights. Uh, You know, this is a little bit spooky for me uh, right here. Uh, When Andrew moved to California here a year ago, we stopped at the Grand Canyon. And uh, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you know, they just say, well, there's a hole and you can fall off and kill yourself if you want. And so Andrew and, and, uh, and Dawn are kind of doing this, and I'm standing back, and they're going, Dad, come look at this. And I'm going, I can see it fine from, from back here. You know, it's okay. I don't need to go any further. You know, you all do all you want, and you're a little too close yourself, you know. And so they finally went off on their own and let me do my, my own thing since I was kind of holding them up uh, a little bit. But not liking heights, there's something I don't think I would ever do. It's at a water park in Kansas City called Schlitterbahn. Uh, and they have the, lo- the largest water slide in the entire world. It is 168 feet tall and 7 inches. It is bigger than Niagara Falls and the Statue of Liberty. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that's something I would want to get on or not. Here's a picture of what it looks like from the top uh, right there going down. One out of every three people that climb up, turn around and go back down without getting on it, okay? One out of three. How many people here think you would go down it if you got up there? Okay, well, you know, the contemporary service, they were a lot bolder, about half of them, so they would go down it. Who thinks that you would turn around and go and go the other way? 
Okay, I would be, well, I wouldn't have climbed up in the first place, but, but uh, if I would have gotten there, yeah, I would definitely not do that. So if you're going to go down, it's going to take a little bit of courage, and it's going to take a little bit of boldness to get on that water slide and to go down. But we're going to look at where true boldness and true courage comes from this morning in Acts chapter 4. Now, as we begin in verse 21, the background is really important. What has happened is a chapter earlier, Peter and John were going into the temple uh, to worship. And as they're entering the temple, uh, they encounter a man who's there every day. He's very well known. Uh, the man is crippled. He can't walk. And uh, he, he sits at the temple gate and he begs. And as Peter and John come in, he asks for some money. And Peter looks at the man and says, look, we don't have any money. Uh, we're pretty poor ourselves. But what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man is miraculously healed at that moment. He goes chasing after Peter and John into the temple because, you know, he can't believe what's happening. He's literally, the scripture tells us, holding on to them. And a great crowd is gathering around because they can't believe what's happened. Well, Peter sees a big crowd. He does what he always does when he sees a big crowd. And he starts preaching about Jesus. And he starts telling them about Jesus uh, being put to death by the same religious leaders who run that temple and how he rose from the dead. And so when the religious leaders hear about it, the same people that had put Jesus to death, they had Peter and John arrested. And they bring them in and they said, you can't talk about this guy any longer. Well, Peter and John are both very bold, say they're going to continue to preach in Jesus' name. And so then they give them a final threat before they release them. And they release them because they don't know what to do with them. What are they going to arrest them for? Healing a man? You know, they, they don't know what to do with them. So they threaten them and they tell them this, look, if you keep preaching in this guy's name and blaming us for him being put to death, we're going to kill you just like we killed him. And with that, they release him. And so that's where our scripture picks up, Acts chapter 4, verse 21. If we're going to move forward in our life, how do we do it? And here's the first thing we see. To move forward, we must realize that God is in charge. If you're going to move forward, the first thing you have to get in your mind is God's in charge, you're not in charge. Because if you think you're in charge, you can do some little things at the beginning. Okay, I'm going to buck up. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be bold. You're going to step out and try to do some things. But eventually, the world is going to be bigger than you are. It's going to be tougher than you are. It's going to hit you with things and resources that you don't have. And so to move forward, we must realize God's in charge. Look down to verse 23. Now, upon their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer together to God. So they go back and they tell the, the rest of the church. They say, look, that we were arrested. They threatened us. They said, if you preach in his name anymore, we'll kill you. But they're not just going to kill us. They said they'll kill anybody in this room that keeps preaching in his name. So now the threat's out there. Anybody that professes Jesus, anybody that teaches about Jesus is under a death sentence by the religious leaders. So they pray to God. They have this issue. They have this problem. It's come before them. They pray to God and look how they address God in verse 24. In their prayer to God, they say, Sovereign Lord. Now, what's sovereign mean? Sovereign means a person who has supreme power and authority over others. A Lord is one who has ultimate authority, control, and power. So they pray, Sovereign Lord, you made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. And so right at the beginning of their prayer, they recognize something. Look, 
These religious leaders may be important in, in the minor scheme of things. They may have more power on earth than we do. They may even be able to kill us because they certainly killed Jesus and they could kill us if they wanted to. But you are sovereign Lord. You're the one with ultimate power and authority. They're not. They may think they have it and they may have it in this world to some extent. But one day these very people challenging us and you are going to stand before you in judgment. You are sovereign Lord. You created all things. You created them. And one day they will be judged by you. And so right at the very beginning, the encouragement comes from them realizing to meet the problems and challenges of life is not themselves and their power. They are doing it through the sovereign Lord. And if we're going to move forward in our life, we have to understand that God is in charge. We're not. He's sovereign Lord and take our problems and troubles to him. So think about areas of your life right now that are out of control. Things that keep you up at night, the things that bother you. Those are the things that you can say, okay, right here, right now, those things are overcoming me. And so for me to move forward in my life, to live the kind of life God wants me to live, to be the kind of person God would have me to be, it's not going to come from inside of me. Because I have things that are bigger than me in life. I've got to realize I have a sovereign Lord that is greater than any of those problems. So when we understand God is in charge, it puts everything back together. Now, anybody here a uh, NASCAR fan? Anybody like NASCAR? Okay. You know, I guess I lived in Virginia all those years and everybody loved NASCAR. And then I lived in Owensboro and everybody loved NASCAR. You know why they love NASCAR in Owensboro? So who said that? Yeah, the Waltrips are from Owensboro. And so uh, everybody loved NASCAR in Owensboro because the Waltrips were there. Did you know Daryl Waltrip from 1981 to 1983 won 24 races? More than anybody's ever won before or since. He just dominated NASCAR. And I was reading a a story about Daryl Waltrip the other day. And he said, during that time, the world revolved around me. And I thought I was the greatest thing in the world. He said, as a matter of fact, I went to a hotel one time in Rockingham before a race. And the girl at the hotel said, oh, are you here for the show? And I started laughing and I said, seriously, ma'am, I am the show. You know, uh, that's it. He had a good friend, Richard Petty. And Richard Petty told him, you know, Daryl, you may win a lot of races, but you're never going to be liked because you're just not a very likable person, you know, uh, when it comes there. So he said the world revolved around him. He used to tell his wife, I'm Teflon. Nothing can hurt me on a racetrack. I'm going to win no matter what happens. Here's a picture of him having a pleasant conversation with Dale Earnhardt uh, as they were there. You know, he was large. He was in charge of everything that happened. And then in 1983, this happened to Daryl Waltrip. His car had an unbelievable wreck. It was like one of those Ricky Bobby things where it just kept bouncing over and over again. And he had a concussion that was so severe, he said for three weeks of his life, he had no idea where he was. And one of those three weeks, he raced. And uh, said he never remembered getting in the car or getting out of the car uh, afterwards. And he said he started getting headaches so severe, and he suddenly realized, Daryl, you're not in charge of anything. You know, there's nothing you're in charge of. Your life could have been over in a moment, and you thought you were so important and so in charge. His wife was a Christian, started telling him about faith. Uh, She got her preacher to come over and talk to him. And he said, you know, I just don't know if I'm ready for that stuff, you know. Uh, And he said, finally, one day in his garage, middle of the summer, sweating up a storm, he laid down on his face on the ground and said, God, I'm in charge of nothing. You're in charge of everything. 
and I'm giving it all to you. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ at that moment. Now, in 1989, Daryl Waltrip started winning all kinds of races again, one Daytona 500. But you know what he said he was the most proud of? After he became a Christian, he was voted fan favorite of the year because of the way he treated people and his change of attitude. You see, when you realize you're not in charge, that God's in charge and you put it over to him, that's when things begin to change. So that's the first thing we see. To move forward in our life, we have to realize that God's the one in charge. Now, the second thing is, as we move forward, we have to understand there's going to be opposition. Whenever you try to do something positive for God, any area of your life, your relationships, your health, uh, you know, uh, things going on at work, at home, anytime you try to move up for God, I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'll start coming to church. Anytime you try to move up for God, there will be opposition. Look at verse 25. The prayer continues. Your sovereign Lord, you created everything. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now that's Psalm chapter 2. So he quotes Psalm chapter 2 in the prayer and basically Psalm chapter 2 says this. The heathen rage in vain. They, they fight against God, but for no reason. Because they're never going to be able to overcome God. They're never going to succeed. They're really just gnats that God's kind of swatting away. But they still think that they're all important and they're raging against God. And then he gives an example of that raging against God in verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And so one example of the heathen raging that he gives them is the religious leaders. They've taken Jesus, they had him arrested, they convicted him, and they crucified him. And they thought they were winning. The heathen were raging and they had killed Jesus. But he said, really, they did nothing that God hadn't allowed them to do. Because Jesus dying on the cross was the plan of God from the very beginning. He was dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins. The heathen weren't winning anything. God allowed it to happen so Jesus would die for our forgiveness and we could find our salvation. So they were really just raging in vain and doing what God wanted them to do all along. But the important thing as we look at this, if you're going to move forward in your life, you've got to put God in charge first. And second, you've got to realize when you try to move forward, there will be opposition. So they've recognized it right here. We're trying to move forward and tell people about Jesus. They're going to rage against us because there will always be darkness trying to stop light. Any area of your life, I've already said it, that, that you try to move forward in, that you try to make better, that you try to look at things and raise the level of your life, there will always be opposition. Now, here's the thing. How do we generally react to the opposition if we're good Christians? We react to it this way. Oh, no. Why did something bad happen in my life? All I was trying to do was read the Bible more and come to church. I was just trying to help somebody. I was just trying to tell somebody about Jesus. I was just trying to be kind to somebody at work. And now look at what's going on. God, why is this happening? It's just not fair. If God loved me, there wouldn't be these things going on in my life. If God loved me, there wouldn't be opposition. God, why are you letting this happen? And so that's our attitude. Our attitude is if, if, if we're trying to do something good, why would we have any problem with it? 
But the simple fact of the matter is if you are light and you are challenging darkness, darkness will always put up a fight. Expect it. And so don't go into it thinking, well, I was was trying to lift my life. Why are there opposition? There will always be opposition when you try to move forward in your life. Take it for granted. Now, it can be big things and it can be little things. Uh, Tell you a little thing, a funny one. Uh, Rob Feltz, a member of our church, was telling me that after my sermon about being points of light, that he went out and he said, well, I'm going to intentionally look for somebody I can help today. So he said he was at the store and there was a guy struggling to get a mattress in his truck. And, you know, the guy would try to get it up, you know, a big old heavy mattress and it'd fall off on the other side. He kept trying to get up and Rob said, here it is, point of light, Rob, coming to help. You know, so he walks up to the guy and he says, hey, I'll grab one end, you grab the other end, we'll put this mattress in the back of your truck. And the guy turns around and goes, I don't need any help, leave me alone. And Rob says, well, thanks, Chip, you just got me yelled at at the grocery store. Even little things, when you try to do something positive, there will often be blowback. Expect it to happen. Don't act like it's something strange. It's going to come. To move forward, God's in charge. But if you're going to move forward and you have to realize God's in charge, it's because there's going to be opposition. That brings us to the next thing. So when the opposition comes, when the conflict happens, that's when you go to God. Okay, God's in charge. I'm stepping forward and moving forward boldly. Opposition comes. Oh, that God that I said was in charge over here. Now I know why I needed him to be in charge because I've got some problems and opposition that's coming. So that's exactly what happens in our scripture. So they're praying, okay, Lord, you're in charge. Uh, The heathen are raging. It's a vain thing. And then verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats. I find that a really interesting turn of the phrase there. He doesn't say, take away my problems, stop the opposition. They just pray, consider their threats. Because here's the thing. In moving forward, the most important thing isn't the opposition you get. It's the fact that you're trying to move forward. So you have to keep moving forward. If we get derailed by the, by the uh, opposition, we never move forward. So when problems come and you start centering on the problem instead of where you're trying to get, you're never going to get anywhere. But that's what happens in our life. As soon as the problems hit, we get distracted. As soon as the problems hit, all we can think about is the problem. And we become consumed with the problem instead of being consumed with where God is taking us and where we're trying to go. So they don't pray here, Lord, take away my problem. They don't pray here, Lord, if I had a problem, it's because you don't love me, so show me you love me and take away. All they pray is consider. Consider their threats. Lord, we're trying to do the best we can. We're getting opposition. Consider what's going on, and we're stepping forward for you. So opposition is going to come when it comes. That's the time you look to God and ask him to consider what's going on and the opposition that you're getting. But your job is to look at it. I need to be moving forward. I'm trying to be kept from moving forward. Don't be distracted by where you're trying to get by raising the level of your life. Don't be distracted because the problem becomes the center instead of where you're going becoming the center of where you're moving. So what have we seen? Three things. First thing we see is that if you're going to move forward in your life, you've got to realize God's in charge. Second, as you move forward, there will be opposition 100%. And three, when that conflict and opposition comes, take it to God. Consider their threats. Then finally, you need to look at where you're going and move towards it in boldness. 
Realize what you're trying to get to and move towards it in boldness. For the disciples, they're trying to tell people about Jesus. They've just been told, if you do that, we're going to kill you. So they have to now, in the midst of this, move forward with boldness. Let's see how they end their prayer in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You see, when you put it together there, the considering the threats is the minor part of what they're praying. Now, we think our problems are the major part of what's going on in our life. But this was the minor part of their prayer. Consider their threat because the threat is trying to keep us from where we're going. So consider the threat, but give us boldness to speak for you. So their prayer is, look, help us get where we're going. Don't let the threat derail us. The threat derails us today. Their prayer is, let us get where we're trying to get. So if in your life there's a relationship problem and you're trying to put those relationships back together and the person that you say, look, I know that we've been in conflict for, for 25 years, but you know what? I'm a Christian now, so let's just love each other. And they say, oh, forget you, idiot, you know, or something like that. And you're going, well, Lord, I tried. You know, uh, I turned them over to your judgment or something, or something like that. You know, you know maybe you gotta got to realize there's going to be some opposition when you go into it. Maybe you're trying to be a point of light at work. Maybe your place at work is an overwhelmingly negative place. And so you're going to walk in and, and make it a little bit lighter, uh, positive place. And so everybody's at the water cooler telling about every bad thing at work. And you walk in and say, oh, isn't it a beautiful day out there? And they say, ah, get out of here, sunshine, or something like that. You know, you don't just give up. You know, just because there might have been some opposition that came, you're trying to get to a certain place, and you're not letting things derail you. Consider their threats. Help us speak in boldness. They don't even stop there. Verse 30, stretch out your hand. heal, perform miracles and signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Listen to their prayer again. Lord, they told us if we preach in your name, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us just like they killed you. But you're sovereign Lord. You created the heavens and the earth. Father, consider their threats and give us boldness to keep telling people about you. Work miracles. Make amazing things happen. Do things that can only be done with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. That's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? What would our prayer be? Lord, they're threatening to kill us. Stop those bad people. Instead of really seeing where you're trying to get to go. You know, Jim McKinley, longtime member of our church who passed away a couple of years ago. Great, great man of God, great missionary. He, were, he and I were talking one time. His uh, son, Keith, is on the mission field in Indonesia with his family. And uh, Keith will be home this summer, as a matter of fact, uh, on furlough. But uh, Jim said, somebody asked him one time, aren't you afraid of your son being in an area that is often very dangerous. Aren't you afraid for your son and your daughter-in-law and your grandchildren? And I never will forget how Jim answered him. Jim said he looked at him and he told him, you know what? My son is where God called him to be in God's will. And I don't worry about him at all. Now, if he was in Louisville, Kentucky, and he wasn't in God's will, I'd worry about him every single day of his life. You see, you see the big picture you see where you're trying to get, you realize God's in charge, and suddenly things take on a different perspective. It, that, it's not that there are not challenges. It's not that there aren't oppositions that come, but you see where God is taking you. So this unbelievable, powerful prayer 
that the disciples have that day after they're released. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. When we move forward with boldness, God responds in some amazing ways. So they, they pray this unbelievable prayer. And when the prayer's over, look how God responds in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Now that's a pretty good start, isn't it? In Jesus' name, amen. And then the whole room starts to shake. And you're thinking, okay, okay what's going on here? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they left and spoke the word of God boldly. Woo! The room shakes. They're filled with the Spirit. And these people just told you, leave this room and you talk about Jesus, we'll kill you. They walk out of that room and they start speaking the word of God with an unbelievable boldness. But that's not the only thing that happened. Keep reading. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed anything as his own possession. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone that had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, sold an expensive field of land, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The whole church was revolutionized. They become one together. They take care of one another. They speak the word of God boldly. People start to be saved. All because they had the courage to say, we're going to keep moving forward. We're not going to stop. Where in your life are you being derailed and sidetracked right now? What, what area of your life is Satan holding you down and all you can see is the problem instead of where you need to be? And what do you need to do to turn that over to God and realize that he's in charge and say, Lord, I'm going to move forward. Because when we move forward, that takes faith. When we move forward, what we're saying to God is, Lord, I believe you're greater than any problem I have, and I'm going to do good things in this world for people and for you, and I'm going to step out and do them. And when you do that, you know what God says? Now that's faith. I'm going to do something amazing with that faith. And that's when everything begins to change. An example of what I'm talking about is a cow from Cincinnati by the name of Cincinnati Freedom. You might have read about Cincinnati Freedom. Cincinnati Freedom was not originally named that. And he was in the uh, line waiting to be slaughtered at the slaughterhouse. And as he was getting closer to the door where they were taking him and slaughter them, being an intelligent cow, he said, let's see, cows go in, steaks come out. And he began to think, this is not a good deal. All right. And so he began the slogan, eat more chicken and started trying to get people there. So he begins to think, I've got to do something bold. So this 1,005 pound cow jumps over a six foot fence and takes off running through downtown Cincinnati. Now, how hard is it to find a thousand pound cow in downtown Cincinnati? Cincinnati freedom stayed on the lamb for the next 11 days. The Cincinnati police, the Ohio State Police, and animal control 
looked for him 11 days in downtown Cincinnati till they finally found Cincinnati Freedom. When they found him, they said, if somebody wants to buy him, they can. Not, we got to send him back to the slaughterhouse. So they offered him to the Cincinnati Zoo, who said, oh, no, we're afraid we couldn't keep him in because of the way he escaped. And I'm thinking, you keep polar bears, tigers, and lions, and you can't keep a 1,000-pound cow? And so it wasn't their cow. They gave him back to the owner. They sent him back to the slaughterhouse. He was waiting to be slaughtered while in line. A Cincinnati artist by the name of Peter Max sold three paintings for $180,000, which, by the way, that's pretty good for three paintings, I would think. Bought Cincinnati Freedom and sent him to a farm sanctuary in upstate New York where he is now living out the remainder uh, of his life. Now, that's a cute little silly story, but what's the point of it? Because of Cincinnati Freedom's boldness, he was able to jump a fence and stay on the run for 11 days. But the end result of his boldness would have been what? The slaughterhouse. Until someone else stepped in and did something amazing. What God wants from you is the initial boldness to step out and say, I'm going to step out and move forward and make positive changes and do good things regardless of what comes. And when you do that, that's when God steps in and says, now I'm going to do what you can't do. And through your faith and your boldness, I'm going to start making miracles happen in your life, in your church in your community, and in your world. God steps up and does amazing things. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that despite what comes upon us, Father, you are still in charge. You are still there, and you've got a great hope and a great future. Father, help us to step out in and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.